your thing, isn't it? You just pretend that it's not hit yet and then you edit it so it it sounds like that you actually meant that. Well, that's when you get the best results. Yeah. I, I did push the record button now, so. I know, I noticed it. Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Yep. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Two Nerds, Maybe More. It is Saturday, March 14th, and even though everything else is shut down, we are still allowed to communicate through the internet. So, I am here once again. I am one part of the show. My name is Michael, and back from his vacation a little bit early is Marty. Marty, welcome back to the show. We missed you last week. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back. And actually, because of the coronavirus, I, I actually managed to come back earlier than, than I was supposed to. So here I am. I'm looking forward to this episode where I think we should talk about all the political implications that the coronavirus have had. I feel like every time you introduce yourself, I have to tell the audience that we are not a political podcast. We are actually a video game podcast. But speaking of video games and people that like video games, we actually have a special guest for everybody today from the podcast Three Extra Lives. I completely forgot what it was for a moment. But from the podcast Three Extra Lives, please welcome Tom Knight. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm very good, thanks. I am still uh, still alive and kicking as well. I've recently been been traveling as well which is usually you know it's like oh i'm traveling that's a, a nice thing to do um, now it's kind of scary but yeah we uh we we made it back this week as well so glad glad i could join you for for this show i mean it's uh it's i don't have anything else to do because i can't go anywhere <laughs> so i thought you know might as well <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, and in case you didn't know, Tom, this is a podcast mainly about video games, so of course we're going to start the show off by talking about what we've been watching on Netflix, HBO, whatever streaming service or TV that you currently subscribe to. So, Tom, have you been watching anything on the good old tube or no? Or or is it still currently broadcasting, uh, which, (laughs) as of recording, is still everything. Uh, I've been um, watching... The Expanse, mm. which is uh, which moved to Amazon Prime, and actually I I, I watched the first two seasons of that, and then after it, it was quotation marks cancelled, I kind of was like, oh well, forget about it then. I'll just maybe start reading the book someday. Uh, but saved by Amazon, and finally got around to watching like season three and season four of that show, which. It's a really good show if if you're into your sci-fi, and I think it's like one of the best sci-fi shows out there, with its um, political divide of Earth and Mars, and the the Belters who are living in space stations and mining those asteroids, and yeah, it, it's such a good show. That the ca- the cast are so there's just something really likable about the cast. You get really invested in all the characters in that show. And it's paced so well. The story is interesting. There's some something to do with aliens going on in the background <laughs> there, just as a little teaser. And it just really scratches that sci-fi itch for me. And I'm I'm sad it's over now. Well, I mean it's over until <laughs> season five if, if we get that ever, which I'm gonna be optimistic and say 
normal life will resume uh, one day. <laughs> so we've got that to look forward to. But yeah, The Expanse, I don't know if you guys have watched it, but it's, it's, it is one of my favorite shows out there. I've I watched it. I, I remember at season one, it was season one was out, and I think you started watching it, and you were like, Marty, Marty, you should check out The Expanse. And, and I, I did, and I was like... Yeah, I'm not really feeling the first episode, I remember. And you were like so shocked because you would think that it's something that is just, you know, down my alley. And I don't know why that first viewing of the first episode, it it just didn't click with me. But then you convinced me to actually take another look. and, And I was like, Oh my god, this is actually this is actually really good. And then I just watched everything and, and now we're here at, at the end of season four and, and I want more. I want season five. Come on. Give it to us. We know you have it. I still have to watch it. I've never watched it, but I do have the first three books, but I haven't read Mm. them either. So I'm kind of in the wheelhouse (laughs) of both wanting to read it and wanting to watch it and not doing either of them. Um, But given circumstances that are going on, I might have some time to catch up on some things, which means that I have all of these plans and I will get sucked into a YouTube rabbit hole and not do any of them, most likely. (laughs) Um, On the other end of things, I've actually been watching a show on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. It's called Formula One Drive to Survive. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have caught that on Netflix. Uh, I know Tom mentioned, like, I think you've played some of the F1 games for a little bit. Oh, geez. I mean, mentioned that. I think I my memories of Formula One games was Formula One 1997 (laughs) on the PlayStation One, which... I have very fond memories of renting that game out multiple times. And I was just one of those people that was like, when it comes to Formula One games, I have to play that on like the most realistic setting. So I was there doing the 70 laps and being like really into that. You know, you were in first place for about two hours and you're like, yes, (laughs) yes, just, just don't make a mistake. And then after like two Grand Prix races, I was kind of bored. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this, this, how many races do I have to do? But um, yeah, then you just start driving around the course backwards and crashing. That gets fun, uh, but also gets boring after a while too. Speaking of uh, racing games, I know it's not Formula One, uh, but something interesting happened to me th- uh, this week or uh, when we went traveling. Because I don't remember, I think it was one of the first need for speed hot pursuit games there is mm-hmm. a that's a, there's a, a level i actually believe it might actually be called austria i'm not completely sure about it i don't it's long a time ago i don't remember it's one of the very first hot pursuit games for in the need for speed franchise but there's a map called maybe austria i don't know but maybe austria were, yeah it's just called maybe austria we're not sure we didn't <laughs> we didn't have the rights to no. call it austria we'll just call it maybe austria <laughs> Exactly, uh, and the funny thing is that there is like a, a section of of one of the those uh, on the track where you, you drive through a lot of different tunnels, and they have like re- this very particular look. And then, when we were driving to the ski cabin cam- uh, cabin that we were going to, uh, we were going through these tunnels, and all of a sudden, it's like, hey, this I've I've driven in, <laughs> on this road before. This is so it feels so oddly familiar and then all of a sudden it just struck me hey this is the actually the track from need for speed one of those games and it was just so so weird to to just be there in real life and be like oh they actually modeled the this track after a a real road (laughs) my goal is to say that i've 
was walking through a police station and I felt like I've been there before. And then I'm reminiscing about Resident Evil. <laughs> you don't want to go to Raccoon City, Michael. You, you might want to, you know, beeline out of there as soon as possible. But I heard that they had really good crab cakes. So, you know, it's okay. kind of worth, kind of worth. Um, but did you, actually, did you pick up a few ink ribbons on your way? Always um, handy. Always handy if you see those. I didn't find any. Oh, dear. I didn't search very thoroughly, though. Um, but I definitely suggest if you're into um, like racing as a whole, and maybe you're not even interested in Formula One, like watching the long form of the race, which can be a couple hours or so, and it might seem a little bit boring from time to time. Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix actually puts more of like the drama element into it. And they show the behind the scenes things that are going on with not just the drivers, but the staff and the managers and the CEOs of the teams. And they show a lot of the behind the scenes things that go into it, as well as interviews with the drivers about like what they want to accomplish during the season and the drama that they have with their own teammates. And it's a very interesting, almost is, like is, a is one of the dramas is one of the dramas when, because obviously we all know formula one is just, uh, it's all computers. They've all just programmed a car and it's all based on computers is one of the dramas where they're just about to start the race and windows has to do one of those updates. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, actually, we haven't run into that, but I'm only midway through season two, so Ooh, we don't anything know. Anything could happen. <laughs> yeah, anything could still happen. Um, so have you guys also seen when you open Netflix, or I don't know if it's just a, a Europe thing or whatever, but when I opened Netflix today, there's a documentary about pandemics and how to prevent them. Oh, it's now in my trending. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I saw that and I'm like, um, it's a little bit late for that. It's probably yeah, been was, on Netflix for a while. I was thinking that was well. trending. Yeah. People are but, so stupid. It's just like we look at everything after the fact. Like, <laughs> what, what could we have done to stop this? If only I had bought more toilet paper. <laughs> and now it's too late because there's no more toilet paper. Yeah, I was at the supermarket yesterday. And there was no toilet paper, but there was plenty of Doritos. So I'll make it work. um well as we're talking about all this obviously people are being put into quarantines which is pretty serious uh people are banning travel there's not a lot of things that you can do but one of the amazing things that i feel like we have all been prepping years and years and years for is that even though we can't go anywhere gamers are not necessarily affected in a negative way. In fact, we have plenty of time to play plenty of things. So I'm a bit curious, Tom, do you have a current game that you are playing that is sucking away at all of your time and that you're looking forward to playing now that you, well, you do everything remotely anyway, but are you able to play any games and what are you playing currently? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, what's (laughs) happening right now will literally have no impact on me probably i mean it it might affect my business i don't know it could all come crashing down the the world could burn but in in the best case scenario we're hauled up in the house for a few weeks not really going outside too much which again is not too far away from my norm uh so yeah I, i work from home and everything like that but video games uh got a lot of them i've got a an insane backlog on steam which might see some work done or i'll just be sitting at home going i've got nothing to play i should buy some games and then i just make it worse but the game i've probably <laughs> been putting the most time into recently and i haven't like i said i've been kind of traveling the last week i've had some family stuff going on so i haven't had too much uh, game focus time 
but I have been playing a lot of Elder Scrolls online. I've kind of fallen back into to that. I always like to have that MMO scratched, that itch scratched. Mm-hmm. I always need something to play. I mean, in the past, it's usually been World of Warcraft. I know you guys talk about that a lot on here as well. We never, we never <laughs> talk about it on here. Never. But um, yeah, I, I fell back into the Elder Scrolls online because it doesn't need a subscription. So I like that. Just that no pressure of being able to jump back into that game. And I've just, I've just been really, really enjoying it. I, the the questing system in that game is awesome. The all voice acted, usually pretty interesting, and you can kind of explore the entire world. There's no real the level scaling is in there as well. So I picked up the the most recent expansion elsewhere, which has dragons in it. Someone that you know played Skyrim loved it a lot, and then there was mm-hmm. the announcement about uh, the dark heart of Skyrim. Uh, coming like kind of the, the themed year for Elder Scrolls Online. She really got me excited when, when an MMO does that, where they're like, "Hey, this is the stuff upcoming." It usually gets you turns your head, and you're like, "Oh, actually, I should go back and play that right now and be ready for that when it comes out." So mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been putting a lot of time into that. I haven't subscribed to it, which you usually get a lot of benefits for doing that. But I've been doing some battlegrounds in Elder Scrolls Online, and been thinking, actually, you know what, this isn't too bad. Usually PvP in in mmos is a bit like no you know it's it you know it's not as good as the pve side but yeah i like i say that that there's always seems to be always something to do in that game i've I've played it for over 400 hours i think and i i still feel like i'm really scratched the surface and i just enjoy it i'll probably go for a period now where eventually i'll be like yeah i've burnt myself out on it but it's always there it's always easy to jump back into and put some time into it just because you don't have that subscription which for an mmo it's just nice to have that option yeah uh marty have you delved into eso at all i've delved in a little bit he's but still not level 10. really have he's on my friends list. he's still level 10 it's probably, <laughs> probably the only mmo that i'm higher than him and i'm maybe more experienced than marty it's the only don't take it away from me marty don't play it just stay no. away I'm, I'm pretty sure you're, you're also more experienced in rust Thing. You, you've played I, thought you were gonna, than... I thought you were going to make that sexual, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I could have, but I didn't. Maybe you did. Maybe Rust is, you know, you're not talking about that online survival game. Isn't it, uh, Rust? Isn't it called Rust, the, MM- the MMO? Or yeah, I... yeah, yeah. There is one called Rust. Yeah, I've never played Rust, so I'm not sure where you were going with that. Oh, what is it then? No Man's Sky? <laughs> no, that's an MMO. Nobody plays that. That was an MMO where I remember everybody who played World of Warcraft jumped into it. It had portals and stuff that opened up in the game world, and you had to do... Oh, Rift. 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 Yeah, sorry. Not Rust, but Rift. (laughs) There's an R in there. There's an R. (laughs) That's an R. Uh, Rift. Four four letters. Uh, What is it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, Rift. I'm pretty sure that uh, you played that more than I did. Well, I mean, I didn't didn't want to make you feel too bad, but yeah, that was one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Rust, uh, Marty, I don't know. I've, I've never played Rust. So. <laughs> Marty, did you get any chance to play anything while you were on vacation, or was it just more of just kind of relaxing uh, and not doing game stuff? Um, I mean, I, I've played a lot of. Uh, let me find it. I, I don't remember what it's called, but while I'm finding what <laughs> it it's left called, such an amazing. Uh, while no, Marty's finding what it's called, <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I got it right here. It's Dream Blast. It's, Dream it's the, Blast? Dream Blast. It's the people who made Angry Birds. They also made uh, uh, another game. And So yeah. it's a phone game. It's a phone game, yeah. Because, Those aren't yeah. allowed mm-hmm. here. This is oh, okay. only for hardcore games. Oh, we, it's only for real gamers. Okay. That's right. Uh, no. <laughs> 
I apologize to anybody who might be a gamer on the phone. You're just as relevant as anyone else. Uh, this I've, is Googled, I've Googled Go Dream Blast and it hasn't even come up, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, sorry. Angry Birds Dream Blast. So yeah. it's still Angry Birds. It, it looks like it's oh. looks like hmm. it's baby Angry Birds. Like you know the you know they do like the um they're oh, dreaming about the stork and it's about to bring them over. <laughs> it's like one of those spin-offs where they're like, you know what would be a good idea? Let's take the normal cast but make them babies. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, before I left, I did something. I bought oh. a game. Oh dear. Yeah. And I bought it on the PlayStation. Um, and it's called Star Wars Fallen the Fallen Order. Isn't that what it's called? Uh, Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> that game. I bought it and uh, I'm both equally find it fun and frustrating uh, sometimes. Uh, when you just in terms of difficulty? And just, you know, I'm having a good time. I've run around a corner and all of a sudden there's a huge monster there that is like two-shotting me. And I'm like, oh, okay, that was fun, especially because the loading screen takes two, three minutes. <laughs> so I actually have it on PC. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, but no, I'm, I'm actually quite enjoying it. I, it really... sounds like a standard Star Wars review there. It's like, I am loving it, but also it's a bit <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually really enjoying it so far. It, it's really good fun. And, and uh, I mean, I haven't gone too far into the story yet, obviously, because I bought it like a few days before I left. But um, I'm actually quite enjoying it. So I'm looking forward to see where it goes. It, it, it plays and feels really, really good. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how the story goes. Awesome. Um, on my end, I've pretty much just been playing two things. Well, technically three things. I've been playing Hearthstone still, uh, just kind of doing daily stuff there. Still having a great time, and I'm really enjoying Hearthstone right now. Uh, the Descent of Dragons expansion really kind of got me back into it, enjoying it there. Uh, World of Warcraft, I I don't know. I think I talked about it with Frasley, but we actually did a LFR healing Mm. special with Syrub from Scrubs versus the World. Yeah. And I had a freshly boosted 120 Holy Priest and I just got it barely geared enough to get into the raid and I got the back piece just so the the cloak mm-hmm. just so that I could have it and be ready to go. And actually I really enjoyed it and this week I've been playing and I've only been on my Holy Priest. So it's been go. a pretty good time. Holy no, priest. That, that was quite funny. Good and fun. Because, because uh, I actually tuned into Frasley live streaming that raid you were talking about, Michael. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember one thing. And it's Michael going, oops. And he had like popped some big cooldown right before a boss. <laughs> and I just sat here ch- chuckling to myself. Then I switched it off. <laughs> I uh, pop like uh what is it the one where the angel wings pop out and you're in like your holy form and everyone was like that. Oh, Michael what's wrong what's wrong? And he's like oh, I I popped this cooldown <laughs> like oh, don't worry Michael we weren't even fighting trash we had just finished fighting trash and we're about to like get the boss and I accidentally hit the button oops but it was a good time um but Ori and the Will of the Wisp came out this week. And I have not had a chance to play that because I haven't bought it yet. But I have gone back and I'm playing Ori in the Blind Forest, which is a game that I never actually finished. So I'm going back and playing that and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I really like those Metroidvania style platformers where it's gaining abilities, going back and checking out new new areas that are tied to the original areas. 
so the story the art style for it everything about it is like it's pretty tight it's good it feels good and i'm really enjoying it and can't wait to finish it so i can try the new one it's a good game it's a game i haven't actually finished myself but it's it's something i'm like oh why don't i finish this because it it is kind of breathtaking visually and it's it just plays so well and there's some challenging moments in it too which Mm -hmm. makes it kind of satisfying Mm -hmm. to progress and get further in it yep yeah i I haven't been into too many of of the the newer the likely last 20 years of platformers to be honest or something like that uh but uh but this one is actually one that just caught me by surprise it's it's so mm-hmm. gorgeous it looks so good and and the whole you know all the abilities and stuff that you have just plays so well i'm really i i mean i've, I've mainly played it with because my my girlfriend has been playing it on a switch and when she needs help then i i, I come in and help her with some of the more nice. difficult stuff so that's what i've been playing it but i really want to get into it myself and play my own uh, Ooh, and the definitive game. edition is 75 percent off on steam as oh, of yes. recording right now so that's a that's a bargain if you've never <laughs> played also, speaking speaking about uh, uh, uh offers that's at the moment borderlands 3 is finally available on steam so mm-hmm. to those of you like me who, who's not a big fan of epic uh, you can now finally buy it on on steam and it's actually 50 percent off so there you go yep. just wanted to i actually you. picked it up too i picked yep. it up uh, i didn't buy the special edition or anything like that i just bought the base game but mm. it's uh deeply discounted so i was like why not get it exactly <laughs> Um, now we talked a bit about viruses and things like that. And there is a game that was pretty big on viruses that is actually looking like it's got the green light for a TV show. Speaking Um, of outbreaks, I thought that I had to simply had to add add this to our talking points today. Um, because, uh, in one game where there is a big outbreak, uh, it's a good game. It's a good story. If you have never played it. I'm looking at Tom because I have a feeling he hasn't played it. Uh, totally. Well, you're wrong. Am I? I'm glad that I am because I haven't this... completed it. Oh, but I have played it. <laughs> <laughs> because the story of this game is so good, and I actually, um, I think I originally it came out for PlayStation Three originally, where yeah. I, bought, uh, I got it and played it through, um, and then recently I actually bought it for PlayStation 4 as well and played it through while my girlfriend was watching because I wanted to show her the story um, because this is just such a good story. And the game is called The Last of Us. So, yes. have, Tom, you have played it. I don't know how far you got. How do you feel about it? About a TV show based no, on... No, 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 on, on, on the game, on the game so far. Oh, the game, yeah. I mean, obviously I didn't complete it, so it couldn't have been that good. No, I mean... <laughs> I mean... It's, it, I got it free with my PlayStation 4, so I got the remastered version of that. And I'm just one of those people that's very terrible at finishing games. I'll get about halfway through a game and then have to go play something else. I don't know if there's a name for that disorder, um, but I'm just really bad at finishing games. I'm trying to getting trying to get better at that. It's called but, 21st Century Gamer. Yeah, there's just too much, too many distractions, <laughs> too many shiny objects, and keep going from one to the next. But yeah, from what I played of the last, the last of Us, it's. I think I actually got scared a little bit in, in one part of that. It just all those spores and walking through dark corridors, and it, it it starts to get a bit, a bit creepy with some of the uh, the infected. I'll just say that 
and um that's probably what probably was like okay we've we're getting a bit dark now it's time to turn I, off i have a feeling i know where you where you're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes that switch you kind of go from this yeah you're like in all kind of post-apocalyptic worlds where you know other humans are the enemies and then suddenly you're like oh oh these things okay um uh, <laughs> yeah but um yeah no obviously it's a critically acclaimed game and i can see why just because of the whole storyline there and the two main characters it's it's there's a there's a bond there and it's uh, yeah, I, I won't say anymore because there's probably still people out there that i kind of <laughs> i kind of know what the, the yeah. gist of that is i'm just interested yeah. to see like if the tv show is that going to follow the exact same storyline as the yeah. as the game which is a bit strange like I, i've never really heard of that what, happening what what I've, I've read so far is that they will focus on the first game but they might also pull in some thing, things from the new game uh, the sequel that's coming out this year um but but yeah hbo has picked it up it will be created by the creator of chernobyl i don't know if you guys have watched that series but that series is, is really good uh, so that so when i when i heard this news i was like oh then this might actually hopefully. I'm sure they really can reuse some props there as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they might be able to. Uh, so yeah, and and one thing that I found was was this picture. I will probably put a link in the show notes as well, where I, uh, uh, someone said something along the lines that, well, you know, for for adaptations, there's never the perfect cast. Oh wait, and then they posted this picture, which is of uh, Nikolai Costa Valdo, which is a Danish actor. Uh, better known as probably as Lannister from Game of Thrones, um, but Jamie? in this pic- yeah, it's yeah. Jamie, yeah. Um, and in in this picture, yeah, so you know, he's more bearded, stuff like looking a little bit more, you know, uh, rough around the edges. So he really looks like uh, uh, Noel, Joel. Noel or Joel, Joel, Joel. Yeah, uh, he really looks like him in that picture. And and the other one. Um, in, in the cast of Ellie is uh, the actress from Unbelievable, which is, by the way, really good series uh, as well, which is actually based on true story. Anyway, her name is uh, Caitlin uh, Dever, I think. Um, and, you know, they just look so much like the characters that it, it's it's like the perfect cast. Did you know there was actually a short for The Last of Us, like a live action short? I'm just seeing this on IMDb and it was called The Last of Us Bill's Town. And it's Joel and Ellie, and well, yeah, it's it, it's kind of a short version of The Last of Us. It's just kind of interesting that a short was made of that. And sometimes you find actors that they used in shorts end up being in a bigger version of that later mm. down the line. And the uh, Joel in that is played by Jeff Moffat, who I haven't heard of actually. Okay, who, who's playing Ellie? Ellie is actually he's appeared in quite a lot of video game shorts which is which is uh something i'm learning of now ellie was kate mccloyd which i think she isn't too well known oh actually she plays she's ellie she isn't she the voice of ellie in um the last of us no No. the voice is ashley uh, ashley uh, johnson yeah oh oh actually she's like appeared in a lot of fan films and Mm. fan content for the last of us um yeah, but that's that's kind of where where she's been. So it's it's probably inspiration could be t- taken from there as well. And you never know who actor wise might end up. No, in the main anyway, show too. 
I just wanted to quickly bring it up in these, you know, outbreak times, uh, and it's, it, I think it also sort of suited one of the the, the main topics that you had that yeah. you guys had prepared, right? Um, yeah. So the, our next thing is it's still small. We're not going to delve into it too deeply, and I promise. I think this is the last bit of <laughs> pandemic talk for us today. Um, E three actually got canceled, which is a bit surprising mainly because e3 is not till the summer and they canceled it as soon as a few uh creators of like certain game studios started pulling out in lieu of the virus and all of these different conventions shutting down we had gdc which is the game developers conference uh they shut down which if you are a fan of the game developers conference stuff don't worry i guess there are pre-recorded uh, interviews with the developers with certain developers so those will be streamed to Twitch I believe um, March 16th through the 20th and they will have those from like 9 to 5 which I think I don't know if it's Eastern time or if it's Pacific please go uh, look that up if you're interested in that but you'll get a little bit of what might have been at the Game Developers Conference but E3 is shut down uh, E3 I don't know if we could call it this anymore, but it used to be like the biggest stage for gaming. It used mm. to be the the big one, all the big reveals, all the big dates. You would get everything at E3, and all, all right the, now, all the biggest false advertisement as well. I that, guess. Too, <laughs> that too, that um, too. For those who don't know, like you would see things like Watch Dogs that would have this ultra slick looking thing, and it have early ideas of the game implemented into the trailer that they show and then later on realize that they couldn't make it feasible for the entirety of the game so it's like the end product doesn't reflect what you sold people on i actually think gdc being cancelled will will have like a a bigger impact than e3 uh being cancelled i know this will be the first year we haven't had e3 in i think it's well over since the 90s yeah, well over uh, like 20 years. Um, but I know like myself having a bit more of an indie game focus, I know the GDC, like there's there's developers out there that had paid for their flights and their ticket and had planned, you know, for pitching games. And, you know, it, it it's going to have a big impact on some developers out there. I, I feel like E3, it's more established uh, companies going there. I mean, I'm sure there is, you do find out about a few indie titles uh, e3 that's that's not saying that doesn't happen uh but i feel like i'm not too surprised now when i'm hearing about big events and just events in general being canceled mm-hmm. right now we're, we're kind of in that that phase where this is happening i, I think we're in a really uncertain time uh, something that i mean i've never ever experienced anything like what we're going through and i think i think it's probably going to get a bit a, a bit worse before it, it starts to get better which is scary to say, and yeah, I think like it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for uh, maybe some people to be like, oh, I can't believe this is canceled. But I think ultimately, why would stuff start getting canceled if there wasn't a, a reason for that? I think yeah, it, it, unfortunately, like uh, people who've had plans for this year, it's gonna be massive disruption. But 
I also, I also feel like when it's a it's a event of this scale where people come from all around the world. I mean, it, they can really wait until last minute to cancel it because yeah. you know there's also hotels and you know all these stuff that that people are booking to actually be there. So I think even though you know it's obviously obviously not you know a great great news to come out that this got canceled, I think it's probably the the best uh, uh, solution for now. Now a silver lining that. It's not confirmed yet out of this, but it is a possibility is that E3 is thinking about doing a virtual experience. So more of probably just like virtual interviews, um, showcases, and they'll stream it. So people are starting to look at that and be like, what if, what if this format, the virtual format takes off? And people are like, we love this idea. It's so much better. And the viewership is really there. Are we possibly starting to look towards the idea of E3 moving into a virtual presentation style in the future if it works? Or will they still continue to be this large convention? Because as we know, conventions are, one, they cost a lot of money to put on. They suck up a lot of power, energy. People end up there's con flus and stuff like that. So I'm wondering mini, mini uh, outbreaks. Yes. Mini outbreaks of plenty of other things. So are we possibly looking at the, the precursor to physical conventions making their way out? Or do you feel like there's always going to be a place for them? I mean, I th- personally, I think there will always be a, a, a place for where people can go and meet up and, and meet li- uh, like-minded people. But I mean, I would definitely, I would love to have more live streams like this. I mean, mm-hmm. the three of us, we, we know Blizzard, we've been having a, a Blizzard podcast together and every year we were all always looking forward to uh, BlizzCon, not because we were going there, but because we were able to, you know, buy the, the virtual ticket and, and see what was going on, see all the announcements and stuff like that. And I mean, I would love you know, more of that kind of content from E3 and mm-hmm. uh, other conventions and stuff like that, because I, I, I won't be able to go to, to everything every year anyway. So if I can watch it from home and, and, you know, pay a little bit for it, I will probably do that if I was interested in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be at a point where like the, the convention will die because I think there's still something about connecting with people face to face and, presentation side of things mm-hmm. being done face to face but i definitely would be open to like this being more of a thing that hey this gaming conference and maybe maybe it is maybe it is happening a lot more than uh than i've kind of looked into i mean i haven't really looked too far beyond how uh, blizzard handled blizzcon but i think i'd also be i'd probably be less inclined to pay for these conventions because it's like well you know what as soon as something's announced, I can read about it anyway. But I definitely would be open to, you know, maybe some smaller developers as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking along the lines of like GDC, like, oh, hey, they've got this presentation, but they haven't been able to make it out. But hey, they're doing it from their small studio. You get to kind of get that feel um, of that side of it as well. I mean, it could work. Maybe it could be its own separate thing, just this virtual con. Uh, the virtual gaming con that happens every year. Maybe that's something that might start being more of a thing. I don't know. Maybe something along the lines of this is already being done. That also wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, I think 
I think we're still always going to have conventions because, yeah, it just feels like, the, the, you know, the big ones still attract people. There's still like an atmosphere. There's people meeting up, you know, that community aspect as well. I think maybe in the like likes of E3, it's slightly a bit more disconnected because you've got, you know, everything there. Whereas, you know, something like Blizzard or TwitchCon, you know, people have mm-hmm. that community investment which i think definitely makes probably even even more than the announcement the the decision for people to go to these events that's why they're like yeah because i'm gonna see these people or you know and i'm gonna take it all in it's the complete package i think that you're never gonna take that away from people i mean what can be too far away is is that new con coming up called two nerds maybe con <laughs> but we'll talk about everything Netflix and gaming related. <laughs> just, Live mi- just Michael and Marty on stage. That's what people want for twenty four yeah, hours. <laughs> um, I do feel like E three is kind of phasing out. Um, the reason being is that E three used to be this um, this mecca for information and companies coming together, and you kind of saw it making a a bit of an impact when Nintendo started to do their Nintendo Directs. And then everybody said Nintendo was crazy when Nintendo said, we're not going to E3 this year. We will have no announcements at E3. We'll do our own Nintendo Direct and we'll still be at E3. Like we'll have a presence, but you're not going to get like announcements from us at E3. And then I think Sony started jumping on that ship as well. And I think that this year they weren't going to be there. And then I think Microsoft was the last one of the big three that was still going to be there. And even this year, I don't know if they were still slated to be there or not, but we are starting to see these larger companies do smaller formats. So I think in the long run, if E3 continues to exist, it's going to shift its attention on what E3 is in terms of a conference. And it might just be, like Tom said, one of those gatherings that like-minded people kind of get together on. Yeah, I mean, I still think like E3, it, you know, you hear the name E3 and it's like, yeah, it it's the biggest like gaming convention out there. And I know like it's still taken pretty seriously for a lot of gaming companies. Like that's where they polish this demo, like polish it over and over and over again because they know it's going to, so many people are going to see it. And that's like where you get all these gameplay vi- videos where you're like, Oh my god. The division this, one looks so good. This <laughs> is amazing. I need to have it. And then it's because it's because they polished the out of this demo and you know it had to be so good. It had to like melt people's eyeballs when they saw it. And then actually oh when the, when the game is actually released, it's like, yeah, we couldn't do all that stuff. <laughs> we well, couldn't we, do we, half we, that we stuff, but you we know. couldn't get a tablet co-op and pc to work properly so turns out the playstation was not as strong as the pc that we were running the (laughs) demo on sorry Uh, but how many times have you seen a gameplay video from e3 and then you know the actual game company like oh what i remember actually seeing uh, an e3 video for uh, elder scrolls oblivion and they were showcasing the like the ai for npcs (laughs) in that game and they showed like a you, you went into this house and you gave this uh woman npc you gave her dog some meat and she was like oh like she was like interacting from that and then uh, but they actually had to like change that entire ai because the ai got so smart that it started like wiping out villages and 
<laughs> like like just completely running riot and you know it's it's, it's it's cool to, to kind of see what gets presented at e3 but then you always have to rein in the expectation because it's not it's never as amazing as it's mm-hmm. shown at e3 and i mean it, <clears throat> that's, yeah that's kind, i mean it's kind of a meme in itself that you'll, you'll watch something e3 and go wow and it'll kind of make you say that and if you you'll get burnt several years in a row where you're like wow wow oh and then suddenly oh. you're just like, you know what, you know, E3 is just like that. It's a dream, you know, it, it, this is the, these are the best games ever, but actually just, it's not really going to be like that. But I think it's, it's still, it's still a good, a good thing. I still like E3. I still like tuning into that. You still get, you know, some big announcements from there. But like Michael says, a lot of companies now are, are going their own way, doing their own thing and having a bit more control over how they deliver the news as well. So I still think we'll have an E3, but I think we'll probably have more uh, companies doing their own thing also. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, speaking about doing your own thing, uh, Marty alluded to it a little bit earlier when he mentioned that we used to be on a podcast together, all three of us. We used to do a podcast called The Blue Recluse. For those who don't know, it was an all Blizzard themed podcast, but we took a bit of a break and from that spawned a few different things. We kind of went on break, relaxed a little from... From that break, Tom started uh, Three Extra Lives, which is a indie-focused podcast where he goes over some indie games, focuses sometimes on little news things that are going on, brings attention to stories that maybe you might miss in the larger headlines, plays games that you might miss amongst the larger games that are being released. And of course, we started this show. So Frasley was our first guest last week, and I interviewed him a little bit about his podcast and what's going on there. And since yours is indie based, I figured we switch our attention to indie games and see kind of what's going on there. So my quick, quick question is, were you involved? Like, did you like indie games before the podcast or was it more of like the podcast was like a platform for you to actually have a reason to try more indie games? Um, Yeah, but both, I suppose, because over maybe the last two or three years i'd say that i've been a an avid subscriber to humble monthly which is the humble choice um mm-hmm. this is not a pitch but i am uh i'm affiliated with them but anyway um, no, we'll, I, we'll put we'll put the links in the show yeah, notes. put that put the link in the show notes. but no i I've, I've been a big like fan of, of the offerings there and it, it did get me into more indie titles and i actually enjoyed that a lot more being able to play like a a story that would maybe take three or four hours and I could just tick that off and say, I've had an experience here. I've enjoyed it. And now I can say that is completed because I have, I also do love those big open-ended games, but I, I know you have issues with them, Michael, as well, where you just seem to get a bit lost in them and you end up doing all these side things. You're like, oh yeah, the main mission. What was that again? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm going around collecting uh, 200 flags uh, everywhere in Assassin's Creed. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I'm not doing the story. But yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed just appreciating the, the smaller indie adventures that are being put out there. And there is so many. There's just, I can't even comprehend how many indie titles are coming out and just seeing the, the various levels of, you know, you've got your bigger indie game studios. We've also got just people making games, just independent people putting mm. together games. It's taken them a while to do that. And, you know, this is their, it's, 
their artistic outlet, their creative outlet. You're, I follow a lot of people on Twitter that are just solo developers making games, and it, it blows me away just to to follow that journey with them. I, I've seen a few of them as well uh, take to, to live streaming, and they're kind of putting their game together and showing off bits of it. And it's really opened my eyes just to that entire process of just how video games are getting made and just that reminder that there's somebody behind that. There's somebody making these games. There's somebody you know, opening their heart, opening their mind and creating something. And I think one thing that I see a lot in general, you know, when you have just kind of general gamer rage about something in a video game that you just forget that there's humans behind all of this process, that there's people, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're putting their, their heart and soul into these games. And, you know, sometimes things don't go right. And I think, I, I like to take a bit more of a patient approach to what's being made out there, especially when it comes to indie titles as well, because obviously they don't have the the big resources that the bigger companies have got. You know what? I would take a poop on EA all day long, but <laughs> you know me, guys. But even, even then, you know, there, there's still people behind those games and it, it's not, yes, some companies are you know, running at a corporate level, but there's still individuals there, you know, that have that passion about video games and that comes all the way through the industry, right from the very top to the very bottom as well. But seeing that from an indie game level, I think I just have a greater sense of appreciation of that. I can't, I don't know if I answered your question. Um, uh, maybe I didn't just went on a tangent there. It's okay. If anybody ever listened to the blue recluse, they were expecting it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, Marty, I know that you, you play a lot of big games, but do you play any mm. indie games as well besides Wilson? Which you don't besides play Wilson? I mean, <laughs> I mean, how big is Ori and the Wisps, uh, the Blind Forest? Is that an indie? So is, is that... I think the Blind Forest was a relatively small, while Will of the Wisps was a little bit larger. Yeah. So I played that. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever play the game Fez? No. Um, I don't know if Tom, you, if you've ever played it, but it's an indie puzzle platform type game, which the, some of the levels just start bending your mind in weird ways that is just not uh, not conducive to healthy healthy play. <laughs> uh, my experience with indie games is very hit or miss. There are some that like really capture me and I'm a fan of, and then there are others that... I'm just like, I feel like you did this and just because you're an indie game does not mean that I'm going to give you a bypass on it. There's indie games that gameplay is excellent and graphics aren't that great, but I can accept it because the gameplay is so great. And then there's ones that are like, the graphics look amazing, but the game itself feels like like garbage. And then there are all those games that a lot of people really like that I don't like. I think Tom might have played this one, uh, the Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> actually i haven't gone around to playing that one yet like I, i've so heard i've heard tom a lot is about... the one person in the world that played pigeon simulator but did not play goose game <laughs> hey what can i say but, uh, even my girlfriend <laughs> my girlfriend has played the goose game i don't like that like i don't know it's just oh, really... marty has played in the game marty's played little nightmares yeah oh. I, that's true i played little nightmares and i was also the puzzle puzzle game that you played on stream where all of us all of a sudden you know started to racing through it to see who could get through it faster oh um, that was uh it was a demo it was um, a demo 
I even followed them on Twitter. I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, <laughs> but I actually, the thing is that I'm I'm not really a I don't really follow the indie scene too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I what I found interesting is actually following Tom and Three Extra Lives and see sometimes jump into the stream that game was called minimal move yeah minimal move there we go uh but no actually watching watching um uh these live streams about the games and see how they play actually have got me into a few more of of these indie games um Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time i feel like uh you know when i look at steam and I, i as soon as I see pixelated graphics, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm not really into this. But uh, then when you actually see how they're played, then you're like, oh, this actually looks really interesting. So, so yeah, sometimes Tom helps out with that. So thank you. <laughs> occasionally thank you, he does. Occasionally thank you, Tom. <laughs> um, I do feel like the indie scene is so large that we occasionally do need like a catalyst, mm. which is kind of along the same ways of Marty. I've used three extra lives as that, as a reason to see like, okay, no pressure. what's out there and does this interest me? Now, the problem is, is that Tom likes a lot of different type of games that I don't like. <laughs> um, he tried to give me a No Man's Sky and I could just couldn't <laughs> do it. Oh, I broke um, my heart that day. I broke that day. I got you and Marty to come play with me. I was like, I'm never doing this again. It's like, it's like, I, was, uh, I, I liked it. I just like, you guys are just complaining the whole time. And I was like, I wasn't complaining. oh my God, this is the, just Michael was the only one stuff. complaining. It's like, I complain enough. Appreciate the horizon. You know, just look at this, look at the planets in the, in the distance. Look, look at the sun. I could do that on, like, I could find a new wallpaper <laughs> for my computer. If I wanted to. <laughs> Then I was like, yeah, Mike, Michael needs his boundaries. It. Mike, don't let Michael, uh, you know, have this open-ended universe uh, that he could go anywhere in and build anything. I couldn't go anywhere <laughs> because I didn't have the resources to go anywhere, and there were none nearby. <laughs> right, oh, so I felt bad. I felt bad that day. I was like, oh my god, I'm just like, I've just like opened my heart to these guys about this game <laughs> that I have a lot of feelings about, and they've just come in and go, what the hell is this? <laughs> I'm digging a but- hole and logging off. What I have enjoyed from Tom's recommendations are he has occasionally put out these little challenges of when he plays a game that has a score counter or something. Oh, no. That it created like this little mini tournament amongst like listeners of the show and we were submitting scores and there's like twitter wars going on if i just beat your score and then no i just got higher than you and one of those games is um is slip slop oh god and i think it's like Tom put it on. He put it on the show notes, so it must mean something to him. I, I installed it, tried it, and we're like, "Nope, not for me." <laughs> I'm getting way too angry to be able to yeah. play it. Uh, so this was Slip Slop by Zero Taste, and to be honest, I haven't heard much kind of about this game uh, since. I think there's been one update and some uh, kind of general levels have been out. I think there's over 200 levels, but the, where I thought this game shine was this unlimited mode where it's a one button platformer game. So you start off as this red square who can jump and you can only jump. You can't jump any direction and you're trying to jump onto moving platforms in an upwards motion. It's such a simple game, but it's highly addictive because when you first play it, you think there is no skill to this game. There is no way that you can get above the score three and as you play it more and more, you suddenly become in this trance-like state where suddenly you're getting 10, suddenly you're getting 15. Suddenly, you're after four hours of play, you've increased that score from 15 to 17, and you feel really good. <laughs> anyway, 
like Michael says, had a bit of a competition on this on Three Extra Lives. Michael embraced this challenge and we started raising the roof literally on this game that he was throwing a score out there. Seemed like it was unbeatable. I'd come along and beat it. He'd come along and beat me. I'd beat him. He'd beat me. Eventually, he beat me too hard. I couldn't beat the score anymore. <laughs> but we ended up placing in the top 20 of this game, like the worldwide leaderboard. Me and Michael were listed on that. I don't know if we're still there, Michael. I don't uh, know either. I need to go back and check. But... but but we were up in the top 20 of this game. Like I've never, ever ranked like that high in a video <laughs> game before. And it felt amazing just to see. I saw Michael's name there. I saw my name. I'm like, you know what, Michael? That's that's not a bad day's work. Well, it, it took about a month, but <laughs> it, it wasn't. It felt like this really good sense of achievement. And you know, I'm a fan of scoreboards, leaderboards. Kind of brings you back to the arcade days, doesn't it? Where mm-hmm. you know you you got on the board and you're putting in your initials and you, you you're like, how do I spell my initials with three letters? But it's it's just kind of that throwback and i found that i you know every so often i've come across a game especially in the like free to play section because that's kind of where i do spend a lot of time looking for games as well because as much as i'm like okay there's this indie game you should check out uh, I, I like to be able to say hey go check out this game it's totally free it gives you an idea of what this developer style is going to be like gives you an entertaining experience and you don't have to pay for it, you know. And I, I think as well, it, you know, you get to a point where you're like, okay, this developer is doing something special. I'd, I'd love to support them. And from there, I've been like, well, when their next game comes out, I'm definitely going to purchase that because I love what they've done in this game. It almost acts as like a demo in some ways of, of, of what they can do. And I've seen that, you know, a lot of developers using that with Steam. They haven't just brought out a demo of their game. They've brought out a smaller version of something that perhaps ends up as a bigger project. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've definitely kind of noticed that as well and i've noticed just a lot of like smaller things as well i didn't know like the impact of wishlisting a game on steam had such a massive impact for developers as well they have like this whole back-end system of steam when they you know when they're part of steam they have a lot more tools you know for their game you know they have this uh, you know game page that we see but they have lots of analytics behind that as well and actually wishlisting a game can really boost them really help them with getting the that game more visible which i thought you know i'm just wish listening a game what you know that that can't help an indie game but actually even just doing that helps indie games a lot there's also a, like a secondary thing when when you tom and you wish list something you specifically uh you might actually get those games from michael when you have a birthday that's also you know uh, yeah well it's yeah. very true you know you know knowing what your friends want mm-hmm. uh, i feel sorry for anyone looking at my wish list because it's getting a <laughs> bit out of control uh because uh, usually i wish i'm probably wish listing two or three games a day uh just going through <laughs> twitter going oh this game needs wish list yep and take a look at it like yeah oh i can't wait to check this out and then i'll then i'll do something where i've wishlisted something totally forgot about it and then someone buys me it which um actually um i have to say my fiance now uh bought me a game called horace which i don't remember Uh. wishlisting this game excuse me and then she bought it for me after uh, actually another thing i did on three extra lives when i talked about a story at twitchcon in 2019 where they were doing a blood drive where they were giving away um, code vein um, uh, Namco were giving that away for people signing up to this blood drive so I was like you know what I don't need the incentive of a video game I'm going to become a blood donor so I gave blood for the first time and I'm a bit about giving blood 
but I did it and I'm a registered blood donor now and she uh, bought me a card and there was this code for a game, redeemed it. It was Horace. I watched the trailer and was like, this game is so me. I don't remember ever wish listening to this game, but this game is so me. Good job, Tom. And that was that may be one of my most favorite indie game experiences that I've played in, in many, many years. And um, that's something I've, I've, I've warmly recommended to mm-hmm. um, a lot of people around me. And I guess the last thing that I I would bring up on the indie subject before we start getting ready to call it here is I love the impact that indie games have on the major developers in the scene as well. And my example are things along the lines of, I know, I think Marty's played a few of these games. We have the um, Pillars of Eternity, the old school like CRPG style where you have a party of characters that flows and are like Dungeons and Dragons type rules and you're taking your party out and they're on this grand adventure and it seems like a genre that for all intents and purposes was dead Mm. it was these grand adventures from back in the day that are no longer a thing because they're no longer relevant and then you have uh, Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2 and uh, what's the other one Marty? Uh, Divinity Divinity Original Sin like those games seem like they like drew breath into a genre that was pretty stagnant or in other words like dead in the water and now we have like the return of Baldur's Gate, yeah, Baldur's Gate uh, coming back yeah. so um, maybe, I like that impact maybe maybe so if you're an indie developer please do Michael a big favor and start making some RTS games yes and, uh, I'm, I'm, we want to we want to get that Shrangma back right Tom RTSs bring them back <laughs> hey bring them back uh, <laughs> That's your thing. Bring them back. <laughs> hey, bring back the RTS. We've seen it work for the CRPG style, action RPG-ish. Uh, the platformers, mm. which were considered dead for quite a while. Once the 3D era started kicking in, after like the N64 and PlayStation 2, we were starting getting into more action shooters. And it seemed like platformers were on the way out. And then the indie scene kind of revitalized that. We've seen it with games along the lines of XCOM where mm. now you have these grid-based games going on, and Into the Breach was one of those that was really great, and all those tactic-style games. Now let's do it for the RTS games. We do have those simulation-style games, like you have Dawn of Man, which is similar to the Jurassic World uh, park simulator-type stuff. We've seen a few of those. So I would love to see the RTS get the same treatment. And if I'm missing some things please like let us know so that I can go ahead and try those out because I'm, I love RTS, especially the blizzard style RTS to be mm. more exact. Like I like a faster paced, but I'm not immune to trying out slow. I, well. I did uh, talk about an, an RTS game. Uh, very well. Yeah. An RTS game on three extra lives, which I don't know if you caught that one, but it was uh, an RTS game that I actually enjoyed. And yeah, I was saw like, that. Hey, this game is really good, uh, which was called bad North which is a more action uh, roguelike in how it plays, but it's a lot more smaller scale, but it's still uh, like a very enjoyable strategy, kind of real-time strategy experience that you're managing these small armies against Viking invaders. And the, mm. the, the defense maybe takes about two to four minutes per oh. Per level and then you move on to another island and you collect more commanders you collect resources to upgrade your units but at the same time you can only explore a certain amount of islands you're 
progression is moving forward and you can't kind of jump back to Ireland. So you're always in like okay. a forward motion. Can, can, and Can you play as yeah. the Vikings? You can't play as the Vikings. Well, no then, then I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll stumble across something like that as well. Where I'm like, you know what, RTS is probably, I mean, I'm not going to lie, it's not my favorite. <laughs> but it's some, I think it's something that I, I've always been like, I wish I, I just don't seem to be able to pick up and play. And I think that's one of the things about yeah. real-time strategy games is you have to put a lot of investment of learning how it all works. Then you have to master, well, not even master it, but get to a point where you're like, okay, this is how I actually play the game. And then you get to a point where you can perhaps start enjoying it a bit more when you, when you know what you're doing. And I think it's just that genre where it's so hard to jump into and play and then walk away from it and then come back to it and actually remember yeah. how to play it. Because I actually do remember playing a lot of Starcraft two when it came out and enjoying it. And then I didn't play it for many, many years. And then I, don't even know how i don't know the basics of that anymore i just don't know when i go in there i'm just absolutely useless and i'm like i have to learn this again and you know <laughs> people have played this and they didn't take a break now I'm, I'm just yeah i'm never gonna be able to to have a competitive game with somebody that has just even the basic of knowledge there it, it, it i think it really shows the difference in in your ability with a game like that because it is just such a mental uh, you know the mental aspect of that game of you know strategizing that you know if you're playing like a beat 'em up game you can get away with sometimes just pressing every button and you might get a KO. <laughs> that, that's how I, I play do that in RTS. <laughs> All right, uh, Marty. Anything on the subject before we get ready to uh, close the curtains? No, but I think everything was said. I mean, the only thing I can add to it is, uh, yeah, I, I would love to get some RTS <laughs> games back as well. Uh, I, I mean. I've had. I just remember back when I started gaming, like back in in many 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 years ago. I mean, we had we had West, Westwood Studios who did the Command and Conquer uh, games, and we had Blizzard who did Warcraft and Starcraft. And I mean, it felt like I was so many different choices when it comes to our, when mm -hmm. it came to RTS games. And and today I don't even, I don't even know what to mention. Uh, I mean, I know one game that I could mention, but I don't want to because it's yeah. I think we all know which Blizzard game that is. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go into that. I think we've already done that one. <laughs> um, so uh, we have arrived at the at the end of another episode. If anybody out there is interested in indie games, uh, we highly suggest that you check out Three Extra Lives as a podcast. Yes. Check it out. It also we did not touch on it, but it also has trivia questions in there. So I believe it is the only trivia and indie based <laughs> podcast out there. So it fills a niche that we didn't know that we needed, but if, we if definitely you say that, Michael, I believe it. I believe you, Michael. <laughs> so. If you have any indie favorites that you'd like to share with us, please let us know. Um, but before that, I'd like to thank Tom for joining us. And Tom, this is your chance. Shout out where you are on the internet. Let people know what's going on and just where can they find you? Sure. You can find me on the social medias. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 3 Extra Lives. And you can find everything you need to know about 3 Extra Lives over at 3 com. I also stream on Twitch at 3 Extra Lives, funny enough. I'm streaming kind of two times a week right now. And I kind of have a unique thing where I'm probably never streaming the same game twice. I usually just pick something indie, show it off for a couple of hours. And then next time you tune into my channel, 
there's something else. So I'm doing it totally wrong. I'm not mastering one game. Never going to be a Twitch hit. I'm absolutely <laughs> mastering it. But I just use it kind of as an excuse to, to play more indie games. So I'm happy with that. And if you're happy with that, I'd love for you to check that out as well. And like I say, the, the trivia, the trivia is, is a big part of that. You know, it's video games and trivia. Um, yes. So if, if that sounds interesting, I, I, I would definitely appreciate that. It is interesting. I definitely suggest everybody goes check it out and you can find us at two Nords, maybe more aside blah, 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 blah. words are difficult Marty's dating you... podcast. <laughs> he's rubbing off on me he's been back Wait, one what? week and i'm already messing up um anyway you can find us over at two nerds maybe more.com you can also email our show at two nerds maybe more at gmail.com and if you want to find us over on twitter you can find us at two nerds maybe more the only difference in that one is that it's the number two instead of spelled out once again twitter would not let me use all the characters <laughs> so that's why it is different and also i am pretty much free for like the next two weeks like two or three weeks which means there's going to be a lot of streaming going on on my personal uh twitch channel which is acid tears 111 stop planning that uh two nerds may be gone yeah start planning now (laughs) i'll i'll get on that live streaming it but if you want to come over and hang out every wednesday i do the genome project with frasley that's live streamed and be be sure to check me out i just kind of do Whatever I feel like playing, World of Warcraft, maybe some Ori in the Blind Forest, and I really might stream the new Doom game too. We'll see. And, so, and I don't stream at all, so good luck following me. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, we would like to thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you in the next episode. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com. Thank <laughs> you.